Hello and welcome to the Be Unapologetically You radio podcast. My name is Kelsey Davidson and I am your host. On this podcast, we talk about all things personal development, health and wellness, and of course, fitness. And how you can do all of those things, create a lifestyle that works for you and nobody else. Because nobody else was made like you. So why would you do it the same way as somebody else? Well, unless it works. So thank you for joining us today and let's get started into the episode. Hi, Tori. Welcome to Be Unapologetically You Radio. I am so excited to have you today. Thanks for having me, Kels. Uh, I'm excited to be here. Me too. Uh, me and Tori met through a mutual mastermind last year. And after that, we've kind of been stuck at the hip. So I thought it was so important for y'all to get to meet this lovely human being. So Miss Tori, can you tell the world a little bit about yourself, what you do, and it can be as much or as little as you want? Okay. Um, well, hi, I'm Tori. I am a full-time firefighter and by day. <laughs> and then by night, I have a side gig. So I run uh, Task by Tori, which is a virtual assistant agency. Um, and specifically, I was working with fitness professionals um, online in the online space. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. And so fitness and health is huge in my life, not only on the business side of things, but just in the everyday environment. So yeah. How did you come to doing what you are today? Because I know this wasn't your first career. Um, how did you get here? Yeah, so I actually, my entire life, I've been super active. So I was always playing sports, always on teams. Um, throughout university, I competed internationally in dragon boat paddling. And then I also went into powerlifting for a little while. And um, I've always kind of known I wanted to get it. Like I wanted to be a first responder. I wanted to be a firefighter, but I always kind of had these doubts. And so fitness was one of those big doubts for me, um, which was kind of powerlifting was the catalyst for kind of where I am today. Um, and so as a result of that, um, I was working in a health club for a long time. Um, I coached powerlifting, I coached soccer, I did a lot of that. Um, and through the networking and through channels, I met a lot of fitness professionals, right? And in doing so, um, I guess it opened a lot of doors for me in terms of like training techniques and um, exposure, which then allowed me to work on their back ends in business as well. So that's the main reason I niched in fitness was when I started my business, so hopping all over the place here, um, I ended up backing a lot of fitness professionals because those were a lot of my friends, a lot of my circles. It's what I knew, uh, what I know. Um, and yeah, and from there, it kind of, it's just something that's in my everyday life. It always has been, it's been important to me and it's something that I know well. So it's something that I can help and share and not only in people's businesses, but also everyday life, right. And everyday training techniques. Absolutely. What, um, what led you to becoming a firefighter? Um, cause I know that wasn't what you started with. What, um, <laughs> what, what made you pursue that path? Cause you said you wanted to be a first responder, but what ultimately led you to choose that path out of all the options? Fighting specifically? Yeah. Um, I actually had a soccer coach growing up, so he was a firefighter and he used to say it was the best job in the world. And so I was 14 at the time when this kind of 
was in my mind. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Best job in the world, right? And so, I mean, everybody loves the red truck. So that was the extent of it and knowing that it was the quote unquote best job in the world. And then um, from there, I got really curious, right? So I started looking into it. I was like, wow, I really liked the medical side of things too, which firefighters are heavily involved with. So um, I was always someone who was in first aid. And again, that was because mainly my work environments too, you have to have first aid when you're a personal trainer or you're um, in fitness in any capacity. So whether or not you're working at a gym, you have to have your uh, general first aid or first aid C and CPR. So um, I knew that I enjoyed all of that side of things. And then I knew I enjoyed the firefighting aspect side of things. That's when I started to get into like external training and working in fire academies. Um, And then my biggest component that was missing was strength. So when I got into paddling, I actually went to a powerlifting coach um, in Guelph, Guelph, Ontario. And I went to him specifically to stronger. And I was doing the whole CrossFit thing at the time too. I had a lot of things going. <laughs> and so um, I, in a, as a result of training, um, I kind of fell in love with powerlifting and that was like my final box, right? So I knew I wanted to, I knew I was starting to train in those areas. I knew that um, this was something that I wanted to do, but I kind of had self-doubts in terms of the physical capacity that I would be able to, whether or not I'd be able to do that and pass my fitness tests and all that. So um, after our powerlifting, that kind of changed everything for me. Uh, CrossFit, same thing. A lot of first responders are involved in um, CrossFit, CrossFit events, um, CrossFit styles of training, functional movements. So uh, being in the network, knowing people and just reaffirmed what I kind of already knew, but I was kind of self-doubting and projecting on in other forms of my life, right? So I'd be spending time with firefighters and I'd be projecting that out and I'd love networking with first responders and I'd love doing kind of strongman like training, yet I'd always have like this little doubt in the back of my head. And so once I kind of got into powerlifting, which almost was like setting goals and actually seeing myself smash those goals, um, then I was like, okay, this is for me, I can do this. And that changed everything for me. If somebody was interested in going that route, is there something that now that you're doing it that you would be like, I wish somebody would have told me this earlier? And then (laughs) is there a piece that you've saw like in the movies or TV show that you're like, man, I'm looking forward to it. And you get there and you're like, dang it. It's like, there's no pole in the middle of the firehouse or whatever the case may be, that kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah, um, honestly, in terms of what I got there, is there anything on the other side that I didn't think there would be? Oh my God, no, it's so much better than I even thought it would be. I absolutely love my job. I love what I do. I love interacting with the public on a daily basis. So it's, it's completely like the job for me, but also the job that I thought it was going to be and everything more. So I love what I do. But um, in terms of things that I wish people told me from the beginning, um, one of the biggest things I'd probably say is you are your biggest one critic, two competitor, and three, you're in your own way. So a lot of the times we're trying to create these things in our minds and we're saying, okay, I can't do that because X or Y, right? Um, At the end of the day, if you want to do something bad enough, you can 100% do that. And the only thing stopping you is you. And it's really only making that timeline longer. The more you spend time trying to figure out why you shouldn't be doing it versus how can I do something? And the other thing is get like, get involved in absolutely everything, volunteer, do everything you possibly can to make you a well-rounded individual um, and someone who contributes to society. And um, 
love what you do because at the end of the day, if you don't love what you do, it's, you can tell. And it's not one of these industries that you, you can't love what you do because you can see it. You are helping people on the front lines and it is, it is a hundred percent a necessity to be a hundred percent present in your actions in that moment. Right. So yeah, I would say don't stand in your own way, say yes to opportunities and don't give up because the other thing too, is it's a very competitive uh, job all the first responder jobs are, uh, same thing, cops, medics. Um, and a lot of people take it as, okay, you know, I didn't get through the first step. Uh, what do I do now? Okay. I'm going to give up. It's something that some people take 10 years to get on. Like it's, it's not a job that you just come out of college and you get a job out of. So it's, you just keep padding your resume. You keep getting experience. You keep, uh, learning because it is a job that no day is the same. You could get the same calls, but your calls are never going to be the same. So it comes over as, you know, troubles breathing, or you get a fire call and it's never going to be the same call. So the more experience you get, the more you are a student of the trade, the better it is. And in other words, I know a lot of the guys who have been on forever always say to me, try and keep your rookie spirit because it is a hundred percent the difference, right? It's what keeps you learning. It keeps you keen. It keeps you on top of your game. Right. So, yeah. Isn't that like the truth for everything that we do? Because I feel like when you become that passive experiential, you quit learning and quit evolving and become the, the better person of yourself in that capacity. And I feel like anytime you hit those walls where you don't want to grow anymore, it's time for a change. And I think sometimes people stay in those states longer than necessary. It's, it's part of what drove me to do what I do now after being in higher ed for so many years. It's like, I don't want to grow anymore. I don't desire to grow. I'm really good at this. Don't get me wrong. I was really good at what I did, but I didn't enjoy it anymore. There was, there was more good days than bad. hundred percent. So I, and again, like, it's not just the niche. It's not just what your area of work is. If it's not contributing to your growth and it doesn't make you excited, you can be the greatest at it, but it shows, right? And it does come out in your performance, right? Somebody who's full of life and full of love and enjoys what they do and works hard at it and continues to learn is always going to end up on top, right? Because at some point, if it's not what you're meant to do, you're just going to get bitter, right? And when you're bitter, it doesn't contribute to growth. It doesn't allow you to learn industry top standards, right? It doesn't make you someone who's super exciting to be around either, right? And whether the situation is stressful or not, in any job, you always want to be someone who is positive and uplifting and someone who raises vibrations, quote unquote, um, in your environment and lift, uplifts people around you. And the only way that you can do that is if you are truly living out your potential, right? And you're only gonna do that in things that you really love and enjoy and pursue for the pure purpose that quote unquote, living your best life, right? So everybody's, I strongly believe made to do something um, and it's finding what that something is. And I think that's why people are so keen to get out of soul sucking jobs um, and to really pursue things that make them happy because it's true. If you do what you love every day, is it a job? <laughs> is what, what's it like to get up and go to work every morning and really love what you do and not feel like it's work at all. Right. So. Yeah. And you're willing to embrace the suck. You know, it's, it's part exactly. of, I was listening to a podcast the other day of this athlete and I will link it in the description for those that want to hear it. And she told one about her coach telling her about the rule of thirds. She was getting ready to go to the Rio Olympics 
And she was, her times were not Olympic speed. She was a runner and she's, she's really down because, you know, the Olympics are so close. She's like, why am I not prepared? And he goes, it's just another day. And she goes, what do you mean? He goes, it's the rule of thirds. You're going to have a third of the days. You're going to feel crappy. A third of the days you're going to feel moderate and a third of the days you're going to feel awesome. And if, as long as you remember that today's just one of those crappy days, it's going to get better. It's not forever. It's just how it works. But when you start living in that other third of crap zone, that means it's time to change at that point. Yeah. And you want to train in that crap zone so that when you're performing, you're performing in that high zone. Right. So a hundred percent agree. It's just a matter of, you know, not every day is going to be perfect. It's not going to be perfect at the beginning. It's not going to be perfect halfway through, but it's embracing that why and realizing, well, one, why did you get into in the first place? And two, what is it that makes you excited about whatever it is you do, whether it's high performance sports or it's your job or it's, you know, taking on a hobby, it could be knitting. If knitting makes you happy and knitting lights your soul on fire, it's not necessarily the act of knitting. It's what are you knitting for? What are you creating for? Are you backing a charity? Is it a charity that you're really, really passionate about? And that's why you're creating for said charity. So a hundred percent rule of thirds, because not the entire journey is going to be, you know, that moment on a podium, right? You're still going to have to put in those nitty gritty moments in order to get where you need to be and to continue to, to perform at that level, that elite level. Absolutely. Um, you talked about getting out of your own way in order to achieve this goal you had for yourself. What did getting out of your own way look like for you as you progressed toward this ultimate goal for yourself? Ooh, I was a cardio bunny. So for me, all I knew was cardio. I grew up playing soccer. I mean, you did like strength and conditioning and uh, injury prevention type stuff, but the meat and potatoes of your sport is cardio, right? So I went from cardio everything to then going into university and then, you know, trying to figure out health and fitness from an area where you're not in sports at all. So that was interesting, jumping into a gym for the very first time and, and not for, you know, your sport where you're going with your teammates and all that. You're going as an individual, which is terrifying. Um, and then all you know is the treadmills, right? And I think this is a really relatable moment for a lot of people because treadmills are familiar. Treadmills aren't scary. There are always people on treadmills and you're not waiting for equipment. So I think going from cardio bunny to strength training was uh, probably one of those big, you know, get out of your way, try something new situations. And so I went from cardio bunny mayhem to um, trying out CrossFit because I I am a mega Camille LeBlanc Bazinet fan. Okay. I have been since day one. I still follow her at every move she makes. But I love her. I started CrossFit because I, one, wanted to lift weights and be like Camila Blanc Bassinet. Um, so uh, that was number one. And two, I knew I had to start building a foundation because if I wanted to do what I wanted to do, um, I had to start making moves, whether it was messy action or whether it was um, sustained long-term changes, I had to lift something. So I went from cardio to 
CrossFit functional training. And I ended up joining a uh, dragon boat team because uh, this sounds so silly, but I really wanted nice shoulders. Like that was the only reason I had these massive legs from running. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to meet some people. It was like my first year of university. I was like, I'll join a club and be social. And it's something that I can train for. Right. And it very much was because I'm the kind of person who wants, I have a goal and I need to train for said goal. Right. So at this time, I wasn't in any kind of fire training or anything. This was just, you know, I was in school and um, getting my undergrad. So, and I have my undergrad in adult development. So I did, uh, while I was studying that, I did the whole dragon boat thing. And as soon as I had my eyes set on a goal, it was like, okay, I'm going to worlds. So I know I went from one to 100 real fast or zero to 100. So um, I kind of had made that my goal. And so that was all I wanted to do for like three years. Like I was just training nonstop. It was like daily, two times a day, like maybe one rest day. Like I was insane about training to the point that we always talk about like work-life balance or in this case, like work training, life balance, I guess there was no balance. Like I was just, it was like work train, school train, sleep train. Right. So I almost became obsessive over it. So there was, there was not a lot of balance there, but, um, kind of going from that and then being able to realize, okay, there's a place for cardio and strength training. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. Um, that was the greatest change and getting out of my own way being things like, setting goals on a PR board. Uh, strength training is just the most inspiring, like messy action I've ever taken because, and it's funny, people always say like, you get this confidence from getting into strength training. And it's a hundred percent true because it's totally different. It's not about like your body or like, yes, it's your performance, but it, it's different. It's now how much can you lift, right? It's how, how can you perform this movement effect, like effectively and efficiently, right? If we're talking about barbell pass in a snatch, for instance, completely different than a back squat, right? So you're, you're playing with a ton of other variables and you're not just running a straight line anymore. Like you are now, you're going to have bad days. This goes to the rule of thirds. You're going to have days where your CNS or central nervous system is just shot and you are not going to perform the way you think you're going to, or the weight that you lift last week is going to be so much heavier and then you have to be a lot more you have to be a lot smarter about the way that you program because now you're taking in deloads and um, your nutrition comes to play so like you have carb loading days and you have high fat days and you it's like a whole beautiful working orchestra when it's going right but when it's going sideways it's a whole new level of like mental toughness that you really need to have and the ability to step back and say okay let's reevaluate this. Is this like a tough spot or is this just the wrong approach? Right? So I would say getting out of my own way was trying something new, but also being able to commit to something sustainable for long durations of time without, you know, jumping into something, getting really good at it and then say, okay, goodbye, I'm done. Because at the end of the day, you know, health and fitness is, is top priority and hitting these goals is great, but if you can't do it for long sustained periods of time, it's not necessarily changing your life in any way, right? You, you can go hard for four weeks and lose a lot of weight, but that rebound's not going to be too sweet. And it's not really going to be something that's sustainable for the rest of your life, which is what you want. You want to start building foundations, not killing them and breaking them down and then not being able to hit your long-term goals, whether that's, you know, picking up your kids and 
being able to play with your grandkids, right? Um, or bending over and picking something up. These are like everyday movements that people almost take for granted. And if you're not like, it's not just an age thing, it's a full blown, how do you treat your body through every stage of life? in order to then be able to perform these simple tasks later on, right? And now as I'm working, I'm finding, you know, very simple tasks, lifting things off the ground. It's powerlifting almost gave me a foundation in terms of the right um, approach in order to said pick things up with my legs and not my back, for instance, this is an example. So when I go and I start working and I'm in a scenario where I'm not thinking about how I am picking up an object, now on auto like my body has that muscle memory and it picks it up as i'm supposed to right uh versus if i never spent any time doing that i'm 100 just going to pull things off the ground and pull from my back and get myself into thousands of injuries whether my back or my hamstrings or you know underdeveloped glutes whatever the case be so yeah and get out of my own way was try new things because the trying new things ended up opening a world of possibilities for me and the other thing was you know i had this deep desire to jump into crossfit which was almost taboo at the time right and at the end of the day i believe firmly if you're going to be consistent with something it doesn't matter what it is just be consistent with it so it, it, there's the whole idea that one thing is better than the other well if you're not doing anything well anything's better right so if you're doing crossfit consistently it's going to be great if you're running consistently it'll be great obviously there's areas in your fitness where there's going to be holes then you can fill those later but if you're going to be consistent with one thing just be consistent because if you're going to keep falling off the roadblock it doesn't matter if you are an all-star track star well guess what if you stop running track it's, it's not really sustainable right it's not the best method so anyway, uh, yeah, I would say open your mind to try new things. And if you feel a call to go do something, whether it's, you know, your favorite CrossFit star, like Camila blanc <laughs> or, you know, you want to try something because you saw it on TV and you're like, that looks cool. I want to go join, you know, Orange Theory, F45. I want to go work with said trainer I saw on Instagram. It's just one step, right? So make that one step because there's a reason you have a calling to do so. Absolutely. And I think that we forget that sometimes you change one area of your life and then that cascades into other areas. If you're listening to Tori and you're like carb loading, high fat day, what the heck does all this mean? This is the time you would hire a coach to teach you those things versus sometimes trying to figure all this out on your own. I was that person that figured out on my own. If I would have just sucked it up and worked with somebody for a couple months, I would have had a lot more success and less issues in my experience. Um, but there's plenty of information out there if you want. Um, but if you're getting, I don't want you to get what she's dropping here. Okay. Is that this is fitness is a metaphor for life. If you just start, you will learn what work, what works and what doesn't work for you. But the other thing that you'll get is you will have to learn how, what works again in the future, because what works now may not work in the future because your goals are always moving forward to the next thing. So what you're doing now may not work in the future, but you have to be open to that and you have to be consistent with it. Whatever the consistent is, whether it's once a week, twice a week, couple days a week, whatever the case may be, so you can start to see the direction you're going and then adjust on the fly. And it's, it's just part of the process, y'all. It's not easy, but the rewards you get are just substantial hand over fist every time. Yep. And if I had hired a coach at the beginning, I would have probably seen a lot more progress. <laughs> versus trying to jump in everything all at once. But at, when you're in the beginning of your fitness, I guess, journey, if you will, 
Um, messy action is better than no action, right? So I feel like eventually people are like, okay, I'm overwhelmed. I'm not committing to things. You know, my life is getting busy and I just need something to hold me accountable. And that's when they invest in a coach. But they don't realize too that coaches just bring so much value. Um, I ended up bringing on coaches. I CrossFit, I had a coach, but I only really ended up getting like a coach that was tailored to specifically me, not just like a team coach or someone like a gym that I went to and it was like a coach environment. Right. Um, I only, I got like my own personal coach and I got someone to do my nutrition. Um, once I started to get into, um, powerlifting a little more competitively, I was able to get by, let's say, quote unquote, um, in a lot of the cardiovascular sports alone, but strength training was a different demon for me. It's, uh, I didn't realize right from the beginning how advanced it was in terms of your programming structures and the way that, um, your blocks are programmed. And that's something that if you have a coach with experience in strength training, or they have their strength training conditioning certificates, um, or advanced education in the area, they will be able to literally change your programming on the fly as your body responds to it. So you could be on a week by week basis and you're having a terrible week and it's time to deload, which is pretty much a break from the high intensity training that you have in a block, say of four weeks. And you have one that's a little bit less, this is really down to the basics here, a little bit less uh, intensive than the others, uh, but your body will start showing signs of needing a deload, right? And so your trainer will actually be able to do that or you do and you're thinking and your trainer will be like yeah no and they'll tell by how much you're eating what your you know macro levels look like so how much protein you're consuming versus carbs versus fats um and this is stuff that you don't necessarily have to you all you do is track stuff for them and they will tell you what to do next right so the benefits of having a coach is you don't have to look at this and start spending the time i mean you can research and look into it but they not only educate you on what's happening so you're learning in the process and you're doing like functional learning, like right. And you're in the thick of it, you're training and they're telling you exactly what's happening to your body. Uh, but you're learning something about your own training structure, like in the long run. Right. So it, it ends up being transferable down the road. And that's kind of how I transitioned into training um, other people and getting my personal training certifications and such, because I saw what a benefit it was for me and I wanted to help other people too. Right. So Absolutely. You have to do the actions that will allow you to gain the experience and then either implement it in your life or teach others. And don't feel like you can, you may have to find one coach to do it all. You may find somebody that will write your programming. Programming is a fancy way to say a series of workouts that are all connected. Let's start with that. Blocks are just sections of those workouts. Um, but you may have to hire somebody that writes your strength workouts and you may have to hire a nutrition coach because they, those are two separate expertise um, and you may need to find somebody that's specific to your sport, like dragon rowing, which by the way, what the heck is dragon <laughs> rowing? Is that like a fancy way to say crew? Like, what is it? So dragon boat is there are 20 people in a giant race canoe. And then we have like small boat, which is like half of that. Um, and you can compete in like men's and women's and mixed and it's international, which is really cool. So there's a lot of different countries that participate in dragon boat racing. Um, but it's, it's pretty much race canoe, but in a giant 
canoe with a dragon on the front. And that's just to respect tradition of the sport and such. Um, for like training purposes, we don't put the dragons on just for co uh, competition reasons because they do get damaged. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it is a very team dominant sport. It is, the nice thing is they're trying to get into the Olympics. So the way that that's kind of looking is you have a lot of high level athletes um, that are the have strength training backgrounds um, kind of moving into them uh, into sorry the sport and you have a lot of kayakers you have a lot of C1 guys or OC so uh, outrigger canoers um, that are trying to get into a uh, dragon boat and the distances are pretty cool so you can either paddle a 2k you can paddle a 500 meter you can paddle a 1k that's usually a world's um, there's 200 meter so there's like sprints and there's longer rows or paddles for instance uh distances so in terms of like the variability in the sport you see a lot of other paddlers from different disciplines kind of come in um and also do both uh just because their skills are so transferable uh, and you have a lot of people who for instance they've never paddled before in their life but they're just so strong and so fit and you put them in these boats and because they don't have any bad habits if you teach them their great habits right off the bat, they end up being these fantastic paddlers. And that actually happened. Like I ended up having a similar situation to that because I had a very athletic background, but I had no paddling experience. So they had to teach me how to paddle. But then once I had learned to paddle properly, it's like your strength foundation just transfers to literally anything in your life. It makes everything easier. And it doesn't mean you have to be paddling at any sport. Again, you could be doing day-to-day -day things and it's not that it, makes everything better. It makes everything easier. Right. So, I mean, you're still going to have to train for whatever it is specific that you're doing, but having said foundation makes life so much easier. <laughs> Absolutely. And we have to remember that as we get older, we, we lose muscle, we lose range of motion. And this could be one way to make that process enjoyable. I mean, once you graduate high school, team sports don't technically end. there's other recreational activities that you can do. And especially if you're in different parts of the country, whether you're in Canada or in the United States or around the world, is there so many options for things that you can do year round to kind of help you keep moving forward. So don't be, okay, I'm going to say this very nicely to you all on the other side of the headphones, but don't be so limited to your experience in high school. You're putting yourself in a box. A quick Google search can allow you to open up to a lot of opportunities. And I will put links to what Dragon Boat Yes. Paddling boats. racing is <laughs> dragon boat racing in the description for those of you that are like curious little Georges like me. And it's like, is this like Viking rowing? Uh, which it's probably has some relates to it because the dragon does probably have a piece to that. So I will put it in the description for y'all that are curious Georges like me. Tori, how do you take care of yourself with everything you have going on? Because you have your, your very demanding job. And then you have your side hustle that you're crushing in. How do you take care of yourself in that process physically, mentally, and emotionally? Because we're in a time and place now where we feel like we have no time to do anything, but if you don't make time for those things, they will make, make you make time. Yeah, for sure. Um, I always kind of prioritize the pillars that are most important to me, not only in my life, but like in my on a daily basis. Right. So I'm not always going to have a hundred percent personal focus on my personal pillars on like a Wednesday when I know that I have work to do. Right. So I do have like, 
I like to batch my work, but I also, you know, have to take into consideration where my shifts fall. Um, so in terms of what I prioritize more than anything is probably my physical health first. So whether that's, you know, meal planning at the beginning of the week, planning all my workouts for the week, I set everything as appointments because if they're not in my calendar, I will not do them. So that's my biggest thing, um, is making sure that my physical pillars are taken care of. And then always my mental pillars. That's huge, especially for the line of work that I'm in. So whether that means taking time in my schedule for me, seeing a therapist, uh, speaking to my life coach, um, anything that you need in order to take care of your mental health. And the big thing with your mental health is obviously it's going to be different for everyone. Some people just need the time to themselves and that's enough to recharge and get back in action. And some people need to talk it out. Um, no two people are the same. And I think that's the biggest thing I've noticed with my mental health. Um, and sometimes it's as simple as literally, you know, you want to do some self-care and take a bath and put a candle on and drink a glass of wine and, you know, watch a movie, then great. If that recharges you and gets you coming back in action the next day, perfect. Um, so it's always making time for myself, um, whether that's in a speaking to someone format or a spending time alone format. And likewise, obviously in this global climate, we are not necessarily out being social, but even if it's a Skype call with one of my friends or hanging out with my family um, in my bubble, things like that make all the difference uh, because I find that, in, again, it's this work-life balance. You don't want your work to be everything. You want it to be a big chunk of your life, especially if you love it, uh, but you do need that balance in order to keep yourself kind of sane, right? So um, it would be 100% planning out my mental health there. Um, and then I have spiritual pillars that I like to fulfill. So I am a spiritual person. So I do like to spend my time during the week. Um, I try and do a daily habit uh, in some capacity and spend that time with myself. Um, and at the end of the day, it's all about balance. If one area is way too consuming, then it's what can I do to either make more time in another area or reduce said time in the area that's taking over. Right. So I kind of treat my work stuff different than I do my business stuff. I treat those as two separate entities. And then I also treat myself, my own personal time, um, as another chunk. So if I'm scheduling all of that, I'm scheduling them as three different blocks. And to be honest, they have three different calendars, my Google calendar, if you're going to be hundred percent serious here, <laughs> because it's almost like a switch too. It's all it all comes together. You're a multifaceted person. You wear a lot of hats, but at the end of the day, it's going to impact you and your output and you showing up on a daily basis in those different areas and with those hats that you wear. So if they are not balanced and you are not taking care of yourself in those several areas, however many hats you wear, um, there's no turning one off and moving to the other. It will still come out. So the way that I see it is if I'm going to work, work Tory and, you know, business Tory are different, but if something is bothering me in business Tory, it's going to bother me in work Tory, right? So I have to be conscious of, you know, what's not working and what is starting to impact me personally, right? And that is a, whether it comes out in my personality, whether it comes out in fatigue because you're too tired um, and making the time for rest when I need rest, right? So sometimes it's not even when you, your body tells you, you need to sleep, you need rest, you're not getting whatever. And I'm one of these avid Fitbit people, like everything I do is on my Fitbit. So it's like my sleep is tracked. I have my SPO2 stats in there. Like I know what I've eaten, what I've drank. Like I'm just over the top of that. And I love it because that's just come from, you know, habit from years of it. And I'm not as extreme as I used to be because like I need to live. And if I want to have Nutella on a you know, piece of toast, I'm going to eat Nutella on a piece of toast. I don't care what time of day it is, but um, yeah, it's hashtag self-care. Uh, it doesn't matter 
what it is, make time for it and make time for it before you need to. So it's the same thing as like eating, eat because you have to eat according to your plan versus, you know, oh, I'm not hungry. So I'm not going to eat yet. I mean, unless you're at the point where you're so advanced and you're an intuitive eater, then sticking to a plan, right? Absolutely. I take a slightly different approach. I take it in like a piggy bank or a dimmer switch kind of approach. Um, for a while there, I was really trying to struggle balance and I never felt like I could achieve it. Um, but then I realized it was more like a pendulum. I needed to focus on that area that I needed to improve. So that way I could set that new standard of what that pillar needed to be. So then once that standard was set, I could focus those areas that I needed to work on. So for example, if I wanted to really focus on growing at work, um, sometimes it was better for me to spend some time getting my habits set up in those other pillars, like you said, so that way, when it was time to focus on work, I didn't feel like I was depriving myself. I maybe adjusted what I did on a day-to-day basis, but I knew what I was doing to take care of those businesses so I could devote the rest of my time to making that por- portion grow. And sometimes we're in a point in our life where balance is not possible. You just have to hustle and make it work so you can go back to that. Um, but what Tori's trying to get at, if you're not catching that, is if you let something go off the wayside too far, not only is a piggy bank going to get empty, the piggy bank is going to shatter and then you have to spend time gluing the piggy bank back together. And in the meantime, before you can start putting more coins in it. So there is, there's a fine line there that you have to be aware of is that you have to maintain everything to some capacity, but you may have to spend time setting up that maintenance first before then you can add on to it. I like that analogy. I like that a lot. Yeah. Because like if you, especially for example, like when I was in grad school, my whole life was grad school, my internship training, because that was part of the job. And that was it. I didn't have time to work on really my fr- relationships or my friendships. Um, I, w- I did I, my last six months of grad school, I didn't have a job. All I did was grad school. So like, it didn't feasibly make sense for the most part for me to devote my time and energy to other things when my whole goal was to get out of here so I could do those other things. So mm-hmm. Um, you got to be realistic about where you are. If you're at a point to where like, I got to make money to make something change. Well then brother, sister, whatever, you've got to put another year and make that happen. So that way you can change that standard and then move on from it. Um, you're not in there forever unless you choose to be as well. A hundred percent in different times, your life, you're going to have different focuses. So if exactly your point, if you're going to school, chances are your only focus is getting to school, finishing school and paying for said school. So whether it's work that is getting you through school and then you have to put the time into your studies just so that you can come out on the other end, graduated and now a great candidate for whatever it is that you really want to spend your time doing. Um, The seasons of your business is what I refer to as also the seasons of your life. You are obviously going to have more focus on whatever it is that you are looking at growing or expanding or selling if you're thinking about business, uh, because it's never, it's never the same season, right? So if you're doing a group program, for instance, if you're, this is just a business example, you're not necessarily selling the group program year round. Maybe you're doing it January to April, and then you have some time off, right? And in that time off, what is your business doing to, you know, satisfy the problem in your industry. And in that case, it could be intensives. It could be, that's all you have the energetic capacity for, right? It could be, you know, starting to create and taking that time off to enjoy life. Right. And so you're taking a hiatus 
going to do your output with your course and you'll come back in the second half of the year, right? So same thing with life is life is all about balance and the seasons of your life. So at what point in your life are you either creating or getting better at something and learning or devoting to your craft and perfecting that craft and kind of staying in that flow state? Absolutely. What is something that you're willing to share that you've been challenged by this past year or currently that either you've already overcome or that you're working through? Ooh, uh, probably burnout. So I am someone who really loves to take on everything. I love new opportunities. I love to say yes to things because I am a little bit of a self-development junkie too. I absolutely love to find ways to make myself better, right? Which is something that I think a lot of people share. And especially when it's opportunities that help you in your career, business, life, whatever, um, advance as a professional as well. Um, you never want to say no, right? So it's saying no to things that aren't fully, um, what's the word I'm looking for here, that aren't making me better as an individual and as a professional. Because things come up and they're, you have to be able to distinguish what's, a, what's going to, based on your intentions for your life, what's going to make you better, what's going to get you there faster, what's going to make you perfect your craft, that kind of thing, right? And then what's just going to get in the way? And what do you enjoy that you would want to try that is just going to bring you joy, right? Because you don't want to turn away things that are not necessarily just, you know, professional you want things that you can actually enjoy in your life too it's like if you want to go on a trip you don't want to say no to a trip just because I mean you're not really traveling right now but in the event that you get said opportunity you know that's might be a once in a lifetime opportunity you don't want to say no for this case of you know it's not completely in line with what I'm doing but at the same time what are your realistic timelines right so are you looking at graduating from a program that is going to make you a better professional, whether it's a clinical professional or, you know, you're a first responder or you're a fitness professional. So whatever your certification is, you don't necessarily want to say no to that, but you don't want to defer your distractions to something that is not serving you in that moment. Right. So I think it's finding that balance um, and not taking absolutely everything out or sorry, everything on because the end of that is burnout. And when you look back at it, you're like, do do I really like what I'm doing? Right. And it, it's not necessarily anything to do with work or, you know, a hobby that you have. It's usually you take on something and it's just that one project that you're like, you know what, maybe this was not worth it. This was so not worth it. And so I always do the thing where I'm like, if I didn't have this in my life, would I be a happier person? And if the answer is yes, I'm like, no, it's kind of like Marie Kondo, the, when you organize your drawers, does it bring me joy? And if it does not, I just throw it away. And I'm like, nope, this doesn't bring me joy. Same thing with tasks and projects now. I'm like, does this opportunity bring me joy? Is it going to help me in some way? Or does it make me happy or help someone, right? If it does not satisfy those, I'm like, okay, no, I can't do this. Like, I got to understand that in this moment right now, I'm not in a position to take on more. So no, thank you. Maybe I can defer it to later if I really want to do it. Absolutely. And also you may have to consider that you may have to get somebody else to do it for you. If it's something that has to be done, I feel like there's been such a stigma about getting help. No matter if you are an entrepreneur or you have stuff to do around the house, I feel like there's such a stigma around that. 
and especially around like getting help in the house. It's almost like there's this, especially for our women, it feels like there's this expectation that we have to keep the house clean, have a job or take care of the family and do all the things when in reality, if you look at the most successful people who are doing what you want to do, they have help. Always, whether they're trading with a neighbor, they're bartering services, one cooks double of their meal, the other cooks another meal, and they trade back and forth. Somebody babysits the kids. Um, you you do something and they, the other one comes and cleans your house. I mean, back and forth. Or you pay somebody to come in or you have you get a VA, an OBM to help you do your job. I feel like there's such a stigma about getting help, whether it's in your business or you're in your life. And we've got to remember that we truly do not have time to do all the things that we want. And, and we have so many other things that are important to us, but by spending time doing the things that you don't want that yes, do help you, but that are not your zone of genius, as we like to say, you are doing yourself a disservice at that point. A hundred percent. And outsourcing is key if you need help, because at the end of the day, I think my mom gave me this advice like forever ago and I used to roll my eyes because I was young and I didn't get it but I'm starting to get it now all the things um she just was like you could have it all but you can't have it all at once so whether that means I mean if you want to have it all at once outsource or find that help because it's true there should be no stigma around you know getting help and asking for help whether it's again the way you put it perfect getting a neighbor to babysit your kids and just the two of you decide that you're going to do a schedule for said week and it clears you up one afternoon, right? Makes all the difference in the world. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. So even if it's something as simple as that, if it's, you know, taking time for you and going on a walk to clear your head, because that's the only time that you can, you know, clear your head and come back and work more productively instead of spending five hours doing who knows what, when you can do something in one hour. Right. So a hundred percent get help, ask people for help, hire an assistant, uh, do what you got to do in order to do the non-negotiables, right. In order to finish those non-negotiables in your life, to carry out those tasks, to get you to a place where you are, where you want to be. Because it's just like, it's very like you need media content and you need a, some things batched. It could be something as simple as that in business. It could be, you know, you need help cleaning your house because you're going through a phase in your life where you just don't have the time to clean your house. So you bring in a cleaning service or someone to help you with meal prep and you order a meal prep service because, you know, you're not eating that week because you're helping launch a client or, you know, you have an opportunity to go to a seminar for a week, take the opportunity to go to a seminar, but also realize that you know in your energetic capacity what exactly are you making space for too right yeah it's got to be an equal exchange in some capacity um, for sure so we're getting toward the end of the show here and I would love to give you an opportunity if there's any topics or something that you, is on your heart that you want to share with the audience oh um if there is an opportunity or a chance to try something new. I think that's the biggest thing um, I want people to take away from this. Um, because a lot of times, you know, we're too scared to do something because it's not familiar. And at the end of the day, it shouldn't be familiar if it's new, right? And there's nothing wrong with being a beginner and embracing the fact that you are a beginner. And people are so afraid to be in their beginner position in their life, whether it's like in business or it's a new sport or it's a new, it's training habits and it's fitness, whatever it is. 
people are scared to be the beginner. They want to be the pro right away. But like, how do you think that pro got there? And I think the most successful people embrace being a beginner. So whether that's embracing the process and sharing that process with people and being like, hey, I'm a beginner. This is what I'm doing. You are inspiring someone else. And also you are now, you know, starting your foundational blocks towards becoming that pro quote unquote, in whatever capacity it is. So yeah, that's my biggest thing. Don't be afraid to be a beginner. Don't be afraid to be a student of your craft and don't be afraid to learn new things because I think that's the biggest thing is in any industry, people are scared of change. And the truth is the more research that comes out, the more you can learn, the better you can be, right? So don't be afraid of change. Absolutely. Where can the listener connect with you? Ooh, so you can follow me at, uh, at tasks by Tori on Instagram. You can contact me at Tori at tasks by via email. If you have any questions, um, and you can also visit my website at www.tasksbytori.com. Perfect. We will put all those links in the description for the listener. Are you ready for the speed round? Oh, geez. Yes. Okay. <laughs> what is your favorite app? Uh, oh God, uh, InShot. Ooh, that is a good one. It's a good one. one. Favorite book? Uh, 1984, George Orwell. Oh God, so good. Favorite exercise? Ooh, um, Bulgarian lunge. Oh God, so brutal, but so necessary. We are so effective. Leg 50% of the time. We always forget that. So single leg leg exercises are so important. Do you have a question for me? Ooh, um, why bumblebees? Why do you love bumblebees? Uh, I think we forget that bumblebees are a means of spreading things and allowing for things to come together. So they spread pollen, which allows plant plants to like mate and things like that. And also they're not as vicious as people think. A lot of time they're incited and they're just trying to protect their hive. And I think we just, if we remember that bumblebees have, you know, if we think about it in that sense is they're, they're strong to their family and they want to protect their family, but also they have to go out and hunt and do uncomfortable things every day and, but still be able to come home and bring that lesson. So like, there's, there's always something you can learn from everything for sure. Oh, I noticed you had a dog toy with a bumblebee and she dresses up as a bumblebee for Halloween. So there's like this reoccurring theme. So I know Cal's likes bumblebees. There's some way that you love bumblebees somehow. There's the yes. answer, everyone. You gotta hear. Yeah. Well, and you also talk to them a lot of time. If you don't like fling your arms or if you just talk to them and then like slowly back away from where they are, a lot of time they'll realize you're not a threat. Um, Cause that's the biggest thing is they're trying to see, wait, are you a flower or are you a threat? Like that's, that's usually how that works, you know? Are you a flower? <laughs> yes, exactly. Fight or flight, man. Are you ready for the last question of yeah. the episode? How so. would you tell the listener to be unapologetically themselves? Ooh, uh, act on instinct. Um, I think a lot of times we talk ourselves out of doing what it is that we want to do or saying what we want to say. So I'd say act on instinct because uh, humans are, you know, beautiful, beautiful individuals when they have not been tainted by whatever lens society has decided to do. So, or society is stacked on it and whatever it is that you truly want to do or truly want to say um, is usually for the greater good. And it's usually from a place of love. And so I say act on instinct. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It was such a joy. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Kelsey. This is fun.
Absolutely. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a screenshot of it and upload it and tag me and Tori, letting me, letting us know, not just me, letting us know what your biggest takeaway was. Um, also, please leave us a review on Apple iTunes so that way more people can find the podcast. And also there's this little share button on podcast now where you can text it or message it to a friend. So by getting it out and sharing it with other people, more people can hear these messages that you guys enjoy every day. So thank you so much. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Dudes and dudettes. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. I love that you came and spent some time with us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take a moment to leave a review on iTunes. It really does help the podcast get found and provides us with feedback. You can also follow us on Instagram at be an apologetically you radio and follow Kelsey at Kelsey Lane Fitness. While on Instagram, please take a screenshot of this episode and upload it to your stories and let us know what your biggest takeaway is, or you can also share it on Facebook. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to this podcast. And remember, don't forget to be unapologetically you. We'll catch you in the next episode. Bye.